Hello and welcome to this episode of Thrill of the Hill. My name's Alec Perry and this is the Farm Advisory Service series where we discuss the hot topics impacting the farmed upland environment. In today's episode of Thrill of the Hill, I'm joined by the coordinator for the Bracken Control Group, Simon Thornton, and we discuss Bracken Control in the wake of recent policy changes here in Scotland. We discuss alternatives to chemical control for Bracken, timings for maximum impact, threats from inaction, and the new technologies in their application for enhancing Bracken control. Hello, Simon. Welcome to Thrill of the Hill. How are you doing? Hello, and uh, thank you very much indeed for inviting me to contribute. No, absolutely. This has been a long time coming. We've been talking about this topic for, for a little while now. We're excited to have you on, Simon. Um, Simon, for those of you who haven't come across the Bracken Control Group don't uh, or are not familiar with the work that you guys are doing, can you just give us a bit of an introduction and uh, explain why the topic is important to yourself? The group really was set, was set up about uh, 10 years ago, and we really came together as a cross-sector group across the whole of the UK to really consider the work that takes place to control Bracken and to coordinate it, and in particular to look at the, the chemical control process um, where we had the main herbicide, Asilam, that at that stage was just about to come out of registration. So we had to apply for an emergency authorization. And that was one of the triggers to forming the group. So we, since then, we've been doing the annual licensing for, for the use of Azulam. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that a bit more in a moment, no doubt. But that was the one of the triggers. But it's been an important bit of work. And Simon, in terms of the geographical range of the group, what kind of areas do you cover across Scotland? Well, we're working really throughout the whole whole of the UK. Um, so, I mean, Scotland is there's a lot of bracken in Scotland, and there's a lot of bracken control taking place in Scotland. So, it is very much a, a core area for the group. But equally, we're we're interested in bracken in, in the deep southwest of England as well. And Simon, this is your first time on the podcast. We've never had somebody on to discuss invasive plant species, or at least not yet. It's certainly an area that um, there's a lot of discussion on right now. Can you just set the scene a little and explain why bracken in the farmed upland environment is a particularly important issue? I think our concerns about it are that it's, it is invasive plants, so it, it is taking over in large areas. Um, and it is competing with other more sensitive habitats. We're finding that, that it's moving into degraded peatland, for example, and it's also challenging areas of, of dwarf shrub heath or heather uh, in many parts of the country. And it becomes a bit of a monoculture, uh, and that's the challenge for us. And then there's sort of the, the issues that are related to bracket, that bracken expansion um, come to the fore. So I think I think it's it's the the concern is that it is it is spreading uh, it is a monoculture um, and it is becoming very dominant uh, across Scotland and across m many other parts of the UK. So just on that, to what extent is bracken an issue across the UK? I think it's an increasing issue, uh, and that's part of the concern um, that we are seeing that it is not just. It's not just Scotland, it's not just West Coast, North Coast, East Coast, whatever. It is the whole of the country. Um, and we are seeing the, the issues related with Bracken becoming more, more higher risk associated with the stuff. 
A lot of the listeners to the podcast, Simon, will be aware of what bracken is, but can you just outline some of the characteristics of the species and, and um, the kind of habitats that you would expect to find it in? Predominantly, it, it well, where it causes most problem, perhaps, is, is on the low hill, um, so just above the, the hill wall, um, and where it, it is competing with a lot of grazing um, in, the, in the farming context. It, I mean, not forgetting that bracken exists in lowland areas as well, but generally speaking, in lowland areas, it's easier to control. Um, so it's the areas that we're looking at above the, above the, so the, the hill wall, for want of a better description. Um, when it gets onto open hill ground, it normally is, is, not, is not dominant, but it's that uh, initial sort of ground, you know, might call it the in-by in so English terms, um, that I think is is one of the areas where we're particularly concerned about it. It's also interesting that if you're a fell walker, hill walker, you're walking through that bracken to get up onto the hill, which then opens you. If you're one of those who goes up in shorts and, and trainers, you're opening, exposing an awful lot of bare leg to ticks, which may be sitting in the bracken. So just on that, what is the relationship between bracken and tick? The view is that the ticks enjoy the bracken habitat. The litter uh, underneath the bracken from previous crops or from previous years is an ideal habitat for ticks. It's moist, it's warm. Um, the ticks then are able to use the bracken plant as a ladder to get up, uh, to climb up and then attach themselves to passing mammals, passing birds, where they get the blood meal, which you need between the three stages of the ticks. So blood meal from the mammals, nice habitat. Bracken fits the bill in all those in all those ways. So we're seeing really a strong association between bracken bracken litter and sheep ticks. And I have heard it said before that bracken does favour a kind of drier hill. Would that be fair to say? Or yeah, are there uh, exceptions? Yeah, where it's where it's wet, um, bracken normally struggles. But where it's the drier sort of drier ground, perhaps more productive ground, that is where you'll find the bracken. So it's competing with you know, the, 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 the grass, the grazing that is on, on those drier areas. And I've also heard it said that, you know, if you've got bracken on your hill, that's a good indication that that area kind of naturally wants to regenerate to woodland. Is, is that also something that you would um, agree with? It can, I mean, bracken can be a nurse crop for woodland coming through, um, and the two, the bracken won't necessarily shade out the woodland, um, but it's, yeah, they're competing for the same ground, the more productive ground, and obviously trees will enjoy that sort of ground as well. They won't, but normal trees don't, don't like getting their feet wet. I think overwhelmingly the listeners to this podcast probably believe that, um, you know, they'd much rather not have bracken on their hill. Can you just, um, are there any nature conservation benefits to having bracken? I mean, what's the habitat value like? The the link really between the some species, it, they, they do favour the, the, bracken, the bracken beds. Um, twite is one bird particular that, that likes it. Um, and so there are, there are some benefits. Um, the links to some butterflies some uh, again they like the bracken habitat although they don't want a monoculture they actually want the broken area so you find that uh, those who are interested in managing for butterflies actually want to break up some of the bracken beds to to give the glades the the the, the sort of roosting areas for the butterflies 
um, to to get into the sun. So th- there are links um, to the, there are some benefits to bracken, but we're we're never going to get rid of the stuff. Um, we're never going to remove it completely from the environment. So it is a management of, of what we talk about is control, not not uh, exti- not extinction. So um, just on the run up to, to the Highland show, there was obviously a lot of discussion about bracken control and whether or not Scotland was going to be permitted to use chemical control for bracken uh, removal. Can you just give us a summary of what happened and um, what's continuing to develop? It's a complicated story, but let me let me try the summary. Um, I, th- I mentioned earlier that bracken is not uh, approved uh, through the normal registration channels and hasn't been since the 2013 season. So it's, to have it available, we've had to rely on a process called emergency authorization, which the bracken control group have submitted this annual application and until this year, we've been successful throughout the UK. Um, this year, the, the decisions were put out to the different parts of the UK, perhaps slightly for the first time, to make their own decision on whether they would accept the use of Agilam for, for bracken control. Um, and this year, the decision was made in Scotland that this was not going to happen, and similarly in Wales, whereas England have accepted it and, and have given approval for the use of Asylum. So it's it's a, a split decision for the first time, uh, which is interesting. Um, but the the complications behind the whole decision making process, um, which has left people unhappy, particularly over the timing of it. I mean, having a decision made on the or announced in Scotland on the 21st of June, when the spraying season starts on the 1st of July, is a, a, is a little difficult, shall we say. Um, and really, we needed the application I put in at the end of October last year. So it's not as if there hasn't been a lot of time passed since then. Uh, and so the late decision is, is really one of the issues. Um, we're expecting helicopters to fly. Um, they need to prepare. They need to have pilots. They need to have certified aircraft. We need to have the product, the chemical in place, ready to go. Uh, and then on top of that, we need to get uh, aerial permit applications approved through the regulators, which have to go out to consultation. So it's not something it can do in five minutes. So it was a challenge. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people upset that in Scotland, and rightly so, I'm one of them, that there is no approval to use Asylam, which we believe is the safest and most effective uh, herbicide around and the best method of controlling bracken at the moment. The situation is always under review, but we think it is the best way from the work we've been doing and looking at alternatives. And Simon, what do we know about the rationale behind that decision? I mean, how, how has that come about? It's, I mean, it, it has to be a balanced decision. Um, I think in, in my concerns are that the decision has been made purely by looking at the impact of using a herbicide. And that obviously isn't everybody's cup of tea. I quite understand why people don't like the concept of putting herbicide into the natural environment. However, I think there is quite a strong argument that Azulam is fairly benign. We have been using it for 60 years with little difficulties, um, albeit there is that caveat that it is a herbicide. But I think 
the decision has been based largely on the, the, the concerns about the herbicide, um, not about what happens if we don't use the herbicide. So the impact of, of, of bracken as a plant, what is that? What that is doing, um, I don't think have been given equal weight. Uh, and the decisions, therefore, is slightly lopsided, in my view. Um, and I think that's something I'm, well, I'm working hard on, as others are, to try and correct. We're not getting any change this year. Um, but I think I'm looking now into next year and making sure that we have agri-environment funding available and also an approval to use ASILAM if nothing changes in the interim in terms of the knowledge that we have. Um, again, I'm, I'm very open to alternatives and options, but at the moment, my recommendation is that ASILAM is the best bet for controlling Brecon. Is there a middle ground to be had? I mean, is there a discussion ongoing with the likes of Scottish government in to see whether or not restricted use could be approved at, at some point in the future? I think, I mean, all options are open. Um, the Scottish government is is uh, planning a stakeholder meeting, um, but I, 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 which I, I, I have been invited to attend. We don't quite know when that's going to happen at the moment, um, but that will be an interesting exercise and opportunity for people to say what they think. Um, but I think we just need to make sure we are looking at the overall impact. Um, the concerns we have about bracken as the plant are largely the association with sheep ticks, as we've, we've talked about, um, and then the tick-borne diseases that are linked to the sheep ticks, and that has large impacts on, on livestock and on people and on wildlife. Um, and we're seeing an increasing... Uh, an, awareness of the, the tick-borne disease problem and public health agencies are again focusing on it as well. So I think there's a there's also, there's the tick issues and then we, we're also inter interested in the carcinogenic properties of bracken as a plant um, and uh, there's about to be a report published from a review uh, of uh, from a large number of researchers across the world looking at the carcinogenic properties of bracken. Um, so that, again, will provide us a bit more information. So I, I think it, it's that balance that we need to strike into the future. And Simon, for farmers out there who are very concerned about the inability to, to use Azulum, are there any alternatives out there that are viable um, in terms of chemical control? You know, a one-word answer is no. Um, we've looked at a lot of alternatives. The a group of, of chemicals called sulfonylurea have been, a lot of trials work being done. Um, and albeit a lot of them control bracken, it's the impact on non-target species that we're worried about. Um, and also the, the timing of the application maybe need to be, for some of the products, need to be more closely controlled. So again, that is the... Uh, justification within the Bracken Control Group of saying that we think Azulam is the safest and most effective option at the moment. Not saying we can't use other options in certain circumstances. I mean, glyphosate kills Bracken. It's not something you'd want to see. Well, there's no approval for spraying it out of a helicopter, not that anyone would want to. But it, it's it's trying to find that balance and looking at other options. Um, some of the some of the sulfonylureas may 
be perfectly safe to, and effective to use in, say, historic environments where you're not really worried about biodiversity and non-target species. All you're trying to do is, is protect the, uh, um, the historic features, the underground rocks and, and stones, maybe. So it's, it's horses for courses, but generally our view is that Isilam is, is the one to use and the way to go at the moment. And can you put this decision in a kind of broader context for us? It is one year of not being able to use this chemical. Is that, you know, is that a huge deal in the context of, of farming? Or, you know, are we going to be able to provide approvals given next year? Is, is that something that can be remedied? What, what's the long-term implications of this decision? I think the biggest concern is this loss of confidence um, and the break in continuity. Um, the loss of the new fun funding for through AICS for Bracken Control this year will stop new programs starting. Um, but I, I think the, the one-year gap in the bigger picture maybe isn't a challenge. But what we do need to do is recognize that Bracken Control programs are run over many years. It is not a, a one-off hit. You don't do Bracken Control by attacking it for one year. Um, people who've tried that uh, end up wondering why they bothered. Mm -hmm. So it is something where you, to control your bracken, you need to be committed, you need to be completely focused and to do it for over a period of several years uh, and to do it hard and to follow up on, on any primary treatment, be it by chemical or by physical, physical intervention. So yeah, I, I think it is a problem. I mean, the challenge is also that we expect helicopters to fly to spread our ASILAM when we have approval, but they're commercial operations. They have to decide how much they can afford to do. Uh, and if, as of this year, we've just lost half their, about half the area they normally spray, um, there comes a point where the returns are not adequate. Equally, we have the investment being put in by the manufacturers of ASILAM. Um, they have to, again, satisfy budgets and, and returns. And if the amount of sales are reducing, that is going to make more of a challenge for the research, ongoing research work we have into the impact of, of, the, of the product Azulam. So it's, there is a great danger of ending up potentially with a, a product and an approval, but nothing to deliver it. Or equally that, we, we lose the product completely because no, one's, no one can justify funding the research to show that it is safe. Um, albeit that same research may show that it's not safe and that, that we, you know, we accept. Simon, is this a decision that we could see a U-turn on or do you think this, is, this has been made and we're just going to have to deal with it? This year, we're going to have to deal with it. Um, next year, I think, is hopefully there is room for debate. Um, I, and I think that is what I'm focusing on at the moment, is making sure that the, 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 the appropriate well, the, the latest evidence, the up-to-date information is available such that we can help ministers uh, make the right decision. The, there is no alternative to a further emergency authorization application, which I'm gearing up uh, with a grin um, and a happy step to delivering for um, the end of October. Um, the chances are it'll go through the same process as this year, which means that the, it'll go through CRD, the Chemicals Regulation Division of HSE, um, who will likely to recommend refusal as they did this year. 
and then it will then go to ministers to make the final decision. And ministers at that point, in my view, should then be factoring in the threats from Bracken and reaching a balanced decision and not just looking at the pesticide issues. I know you've touched on a lot um, earlier on, but what, what do you think are the threats from Bracken that ministers need to be particularly aware of? I think in a farming context, it's this challenge for grazing. Um, bracken is not much good for eating, and if it, if stock do eat it, uh, there's a, a, there's a chance of some cancer getting into them. Um, I think there's a landscape issue. Do we want a monoculture across all our hills? Um, you only need to drive around Scotland at the moment and just look for the bracken. I can't miss it. it uh, I tend to focus on it, and you see the vast hillsides covered in bracken and only bracken. I think there's the biodiversity issue. There's a loss of the varied habitat, which I think is significant. We've touched on sheep ticks. I think there are water issues, um, particularly with the, the carcinogenic um, outputs from bracken as the plant, and that's where this Brazilian research may shed a bit more light on it. And that, I know, is, is a problem for Scottish water. <laughs> and, and I think the, the really final point is this one about expanding cover. It's this challenge on, on more sensitive habitats, which we would like to see retained and not dominated by bracken. And uh, Simon, if I was a farmer who's listening to this podcast, what uh, what advice would you give to them if they're sat there wondering what, what they can do now? I think it's look at... I mean, yeah, I'm going to say control your bracken is the simple answer. Um, but I mean, clearly some farms are covered in the stuff and it's very difficult to control. I think clearly the the cost of it has to be brought into account early on and where AICS funding is available, that has to be looked at seriously. Um, so I think it's it's trying to trying to decide what you're going to do about the bracken. And it's also a question of what is your policy? What's your program? Are you going to try and remove all your bracken? Uh, good luck with that. Or are you going to try and keep it into the bounds it's in at the moment? So you're effectively going to work on, concentrate on the edges uh, to stop it expanding further. Or are you going to cut holes in it? Um, by one means or another. So I think it's it's having a good hard look at at what you've got, um, where it's where it's going to, and deciding which are your priority areas for for management. On the assumption you can't manage everything. As a general rule of thumb, Simon, how expensive is bracken control? Um, if you look at, I mean, the simple simple answer is perhaps look at some of the grant schemes that are available and the rates that have gone up. In England, they they've been if I can make the comparison, have, have gone up considerably in this last 12 months. Scotland is is claiming the, the AICS grant is about £225 a hectare. Um, England is paying a bit more than that at the moment. Um, so I think it's it's an indication of really the cost of, of the work. The difficulty comes in, you know, is this a one-off payment or are you going to be able to claim grant? How do you, how do, or how do you work the costs in for the multi-years you're going to have to keep on at your bracken? This, as we've said, you know, doing it for one year only um, isn't going to have much of an impact. You've got to keep at it. And this follow-up of the primary treatment is is essential. And livestock can play a part in that, not forgetting the fact that good, good trampling uh, can do a lot of damage to bracken and the roots underneath the rhizomes, um, which, um, again, tends to get forgotten about. 
Um, but I think you know where where you see where you have reasonable densities of stock, you don't get tend to get much bracken. And uh, and ju- just on the follow up treatment, because I do get asked this quite quite frequently, how often should you be undertaking follow up treatment for bracken control, assuming that you can get chemical control? I think it varies from area to area, farm to farm, and I think you have to make that you, you, your own assessment. Some people say you can go back, you leave it for three years, then go back and mop up. Other people say they have to go back the next year. And I think that just depends. It's like grass. It grows better in some areas than others. And I think my feeling is that, that bracken is the same. So we, we need to, you need to assess it uh, and then and get in and do it. But it's the follow-up should be done when it, you, you haven't got an enormous amount to do. Get those initial fronds come up. You'll, you'll have missed one or two areas or the bracken will recover faster in some areas. Those are the ones to hit. Uh, it's not a job for an overall spray because you'd be wasting far too much chemical. But it is an opportunity perhaps to go in and, and cut or bruise or, or bash in one form or another on the, the survivors or the, the new buds that produce new new plants in the following years after your primary treatment. So um, I'm afraid the simple answer is there's no easy, there's no easy answer, uh, but I think it's got to be done on a, on a local basis. And yeah, it may be a role for, for drones. Everyone's looking for a role for drones. This may be one of it where, you know, if we're using spray chemicals, they can go in a map and then have a very targeted spray on, follow-up spray on the re-emerging fronds after the primary treatment. Do you know, that's really interesting because we hear a lot about precision technology and application of precision technology in lowland farming, fertilizer applications, applications of slurry. Um, but uh, I've, I've never heard that kind of case being made for the uplands. Um, do you think, is there is there real scope in that? Do you think drone technology is getting to the point where that is achievable? I think there, I think it is. We've got a bit to go in terms of getting the approvals right and getting the drift um, trials done, which is they're ongoing at the moment. Um, there is a bit. Of, there is a briefing on on the Bracken Control website. So I've been working with some drone operators this year, pulling together some of these threads, um, working with the Chemicals Regulation Division, looking again at the issues about authorization. But no, I, I think it it offers offers scope. It's another tool in the box. It is not the answer to everything. Uh, I, I I get a lot of inquiries from drone drone operators saying we've got your solution. Um, how how are we going to apply it? Just give us approval for a drone, we'll be there. Uh, but I think with the larger drones that are coming through, the amount of larger chemicals they can control, the the better systems, the better arrangements. I think yes, they do have a role. Um, and certainly by targeting the any further follow-up, um, it is cost-effective and, and, and efficient. And uh, Simon, in terms of bracken control, whether it's chemical or not, do we know in the calendar year, when is the best time to be undertaking bracken control? The best time... For the if we're talking about herbicide application, we're talking about azulam, the best time to do that is when the bracken is fully developed. So it, it's all the crozies have unfurled and it's at full height, full extension. At that point, it ta- starts taking um, it starts taking sort of energy out of the plant and feeding it back into the rhizomes. Um, and Azulam's awful stuff to use because when you use it, you get absolutely no satisfaction because it doesn't do anything until the following year. 
So it doesn't have any impact on the plant. The plant doesn't lie down and, and in response to azulam, the plant goes, it carries on unaffected. But the azulam is translocated, the active ingredient is translocated into the rhizomes and it then attacks the buds which form the following year's plant. So that's what you're trying to achieve. So when the plant is starting to turn, that's when you want to hitch a ride on the nutrients going down into the rhizomes with your azulam, they'll then have most effect. So in timing terms, it's it, you know we're talking about July and, and August. Um, the spraying season doesn't start at the beginning of July, 1st of July every year, because we're trying to avoid any impact with bird nesting. Um, but after that, so in that period when bracken's fully extended, and it clearly starts south and then works north. So the helicopters normally start in the south, southern end of their range, and then work north through the through the season. Um, and then when when as soon as the bracken starts to die back and you starts going yellow, that is an indication that that pathway into the rhizomes is broken, which really means you won't get the same impact from your azulam. So that's a, a time to start calling a halt, and that can be mid-August onwards, depends on the season. And in terms of alternatives to chemical use, obviously people have been finding innovative ways to manage bracken throughout the years. Is there anything that you've come across that is particularly useful that doesn't require chemical control? I think it very much, again, depends on on the site, the farm, aspiration, uh, the energy, and who you've got available. Um, some of the um, people like the National Trust have lots of volunteers and they have good results in small areas by pulling up the fronds one by one with people with gloves on, please. Uh, it works if you're determined enough to do it year after year. Um, I think the all the other options, there's, there's no bad way to control bracken. Um, you know, stamping on it, pulling it, rolling it, crushing it, bruising it, bashing it, plowing it, all work if you keep keep at it not forgetting cutting uh, in there. But it, if you're going to cut, you need to cut several times a year for several years. Um, and again, depends on the site how, how many times and how, how long you do it. But but it's, again, that depends on access. You can't do it if you know, you're in the side of a hill and you're miles away from, from where you store your equipment. It's not going to happen. So I think it very much depends on the site and uh, how committed you are to wanting to control that bracken. And Simon, you mentioned the Agri-Environment Climate Scheme a couple of times. Um, obviously, this year, new applications have not been able to um, access the capital support for bracken control or, or at least chemical control of bracken. Um, what are your thoughts for the future of the Agri-Environment Climate Scheme? Presumably, you would like to see that capital support returned to the scheme. Um, and do you have any thoughts for what uh, future policy should or could look like? I think... Uh, I think it, it is a fact of life that we are not going to get much um, herbicide control of bracken without the, the funding. There have been some criticisms that not much bracken control is taking place. and uh, The figures have been banded around that it's a, a small proportion of the total area of bracken is controlled. Well, that is a little bit chicken and egg. Uh, if the agri-environment scheme is there, I think you'll find that farmers will be interested in controlling their bracken, not, not eradicating it, but controlling it. But without that funding availability, I think we'll get less and less um, because really the cost benefit just isn't there. So I think a lot of the future of what we want to do with bracken control will depend on on the ex funding and the reinstatement 
from next year, I think is is uh, essential. So, Simon, is the Bracken Control Group um, involved in the development of any new trials? Are you looking out for new products at all? Um, do you see anything on the horizon that could be particularly useful? I know we've talked about drones. I think we're we're always open to new ideas um, and trying to develop what we're using, what we're doing. I think there have been quite a few developments, particularly say in the handheld equipment front, which we're not, well, we haven't incorporated into our guidance for bracket control. And this is one of the challenges of this short-term horizon we're operating in with this a 12-month cycle for Azulam, that there's little incentive to bring, well, we haven't got time to bring in new ideas. I think it's clear that the guidance about bracket control is well out of date. Um, we need to, it would be good to review that but at the moment, we have to focus all our time on an energy into trying to get the uh, emergency authorization through. So I think there's the, the, so the guidance angle is important. We are doing other trials work. We're looking at the sort of the sulfonyl ureas I mentioned earlier. But also, there's a, there's a uh, an option at the moment to use half rate azulam with an adjuvant as a way to see if that is going to be effective in terms of control. And um, that's looking promising. We'll get results of that later this year, or at least interim results, and we'll see whether that is something we can roll out to a larger scale trial. But that would be good because it requires less herbicide environment and it would be cheaper. Um, so that would help the story. And one of the other areas we're looking at, again, on, on the herbicide side is on the drift. The moment we have a 90 meter buffer zone in the approvals, where we have approval in England, um, which requires helicopters to leave that unsprayed width against water, surface water bodies. So if you imagine a Scottish hillside with lots of, sort of effectively burns running down the hillside, that can leave some big gaps. Um, so the, we did some trials work last year, um, and that showed that we, we believe we can safely reduce the buffer zone to 30 meters, which would be a in a big make a big difference. Um, the trials need to, need to be repeated this year to confirm that, and that's that is in 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 program at the moment. So I think there there is scope for innovation, but the the challenge is can we get more research carried out? And the difficulty is no one's going to commit to something on on a product where we don't know we're going to have it in twelve months time, because some of, some of this work it takes a long time to come through. And in terms of where farmer listeners get advice on bracken control, can they come to the bracken control group? What other sources of advice would you suggest that they they um, seek out? Um, I think your your own consultants, SAC, are very capable of providing advice. Um, Nature Scott is 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 available to help on on sort of the on, on the designated sites. But yes, I'm in bracken control group. We I do deal with quite a lot of inquiries. Um, and try and put people in contact with contractors who can help in, in their areas. So I think there is scope for, you know, I think, as I've said, very better guidance and better and a better support structure for Bracken Control. And that's one of the issues I would really like to see be working on alongside the, the conservation bodies and, and, and the farming organizations, such that we are providing the right level of support, the right level of information to help people make the right decision about how to control their Bracken. It's not always just about calling the helicopter. There are other things that can be done, as we're talking about, in, in some areas which are less expensive and easier for farms to do without requiring external contractors. 
And Simon, this is uh, this is obviously your first time on Thrill of the Hill. Um, the Farm Advisory Service is, is lucky to have you. Um, you are going to be um, filming an upcoming segment for Faz TV. I just wanted to ask you about that. What are you expecting um, in that experience and what messages are you hoping to get across to viewers of Faz TV? I think the, I hope that we'll, by actually being out on the ground and actually being to show some of the impact of Bracken in the flesh will actually help bring some of the messages home. Um, I think the, the, the message is, is important that you know, Bracken is a threat. We'll be out on a, on a farm near Langham um, where there is plenty of Bracken um, and it is the challenge that, to that farming business which is repeated in other parts of the country for all types of, of rural users. It's not just farming, uh, but I think it's it's something we, we need to be coordinating our efforts for. Uh, and I hope that the, the FAS TV will give us an opportunity to to platform that um, for, for the benefit of farmers and others. Well, Simon, I appreciate that you're very busy. You've taken up a, a, a lot of your time this afternoon um, to, to put together this podcast with us. Can I just thank you on behalf of the Scottish Farm Advisory Service for coming on Thrill the Hill this afternoon. I think this has been really good. There's a lot of really useful information in here. Can I just get you to summarise what your kind of closing thoughts are and uh, maybe signpost to how people get in touch with yourself and uh, where people can find more information? Thank you. It's been a delight to be with you and I hope the, what I've been talking about is of interest. I think in, in summary, I see the, the Bracken as an increasing threat. We do have some control options. We need to be taking full advantage of those to achieve the right balance between the threats of controlling, the threats from Bracken itself as the plant and the risks of controlling it. I'm not sure we've got there at the moment. I think in, in the longer term, we need to have a, a, a better policy for Bracken. Uh, we need to have better guidance and we need to be able to see where we're going with the control programs into the future. That's great. And uh, so, Simon, how do people get in touch with yourself? <laughs> we, the easiest way is to look through, look for the website, um, brackencontrol.co.uk. There is quite a lot of information there, um, but also it includes a, a contact details, and um, we'd be delighted to hear from anybody who uh, wishes to make contact. That's brilliant. Simon Thorpe, thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Thrill the Hill. If you enjoyed listening, please like, subscribe and follow this podcast. Leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can find all our details at the bottom of our show notes below. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.